Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Well, folks, it looks like we are live. Welcome to the, what I think is the 88th episode of Real Hawk Talk. We are approaching the big three digits of 100, which is super exciting. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, Welcome to tonight's show. We are obviously going to be breaking down Seahawks and Packers divisional round. Um, They play... Sunday night at what I believe is 4.45 Pacific time. Do you guys know if I have that right? Something like that. It's in the it's in the 4 p.m. range. Basically the uh, second time 3.40. I think you're an hour 3, off. 3.40 p.m. Yeah. Pacific time. Don't miss the Seahawks game on Sunday. Um, we are the same slot as last week, which is a weird coincidence. But anyways, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Evan Evan Hill, Evan N-S-E-A. You've got Nathan Ernst, Nathan E11 on Twitter, and Jeff Simmons, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Um, Look at me doing the show intro, just like Brian does weekly. This is kind of weird for me because I typically host the post-game shows, so it's a completely different rhythm. There's, I feel like, less emotion, more rational thoughts going through my brain, through my brain, um, less testosterone pumping through my blood. I don't know if that's a thing. Doesn't feel like it right now. Um, But we're here to talk Seahawks Packers. We've got a big week coming up. Obviously, the Seahawks beat the Eagles 17-9 to last week, just like they did what seemed like four, five, six, seven weeks ago, whatever it was earlier in the season. Uh, They won by the exact same score, which is funny. Um, But, you know, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this game. I'm really excited to break down this game. 
talk about our strengths, talk about our weaknesses, talk about reasons for us to be hopeful, talk about reasons for us to be pessimistic. We'll cover both sides of, of the argument heading into uh, Sunday's, Sunday night's matchup against the Packers. Um, the one thing I want to remind people just before we jump into the details and the analysis here is that, you know, NFL playoffs are really, really weird in that, in the sense that they're just one game. It's single elimination. Obviously this is not like the NBA or the MLB where it's the best of seven. The better team does not always win. Uh, we saw that in what I feel like were the Patriots loss and the Saints loss on, on last weekend, both to, I think what most people would agree to be powerhouse teams in the NFL and definitely threat previous threats for Super Bowl runs. Um, personally, I was much more concerned about the Saints from the NFC side, obviously. I think we've discussed in our group chat a few times off and on that the Saints probably post the biggest threat to a Seahawks Super Bowl run. Um, obviously, the Niners are up there too, but playing in the Superdome was a very, very scary thought. So with that said, we're going into a big week. The Seahawks are, are uh, you know, basically 0-0. We just got to win one game at a time. When we're playing for an NFC championship berth. I, I can't believe this dumb football team that we've been talking about for the past four months with all of their flaws and with everything we know and love about them is playing for an NFC championship berth on Sunday. So that was a very long-winded intro, but Nathan and Jeff, first of all, welcome to the show. And I want to hit, I want to hit Nathan, you with a question right off the bat. Let's, let's take, let's take the, let's, let's start with the positive side. People always ask for the positive side of things. Uh, when I, when we, you know, talk about the Seahawks, what, what is the argument for the Seahawks beating the Packers on Sunday? If the Seahawks beat the Packers on Sunday, what has to happen? What are the reasons for optimism on Sunday? Uh, I mean, I think we have this question almost every week and I think we all give the exact same answer almost every week. Uh, Seattle has one of the three or five best quarterbacks in the league. And when you have that, you can win any football game. Like it's just Russell Wilson, like hands down, as long as he's this team's quarterback, this team can go a long ways. Uh, I think, you know, a little bit more like detailed or nuanced than that. Um, I think it was Brian that was, pulling up the data or, uh, on um, the explosives that uh, Green Bay gives up. Um, I think Green Bay has been a pretty good defense this year overall, but um, one of their weak spots is giving up big plays. And that's something that obviously, like, you know, that's a bad matchup for them in that way. Uh, so I think that's, you know, the big thing is just always Russell. And I think that specifically is something that's encouraging. Does DK Metcalf's performance last week uh, lead you to believe that he might have a big performance this week? Mm, not so much the performance last week. Like, I don't think last week changed anything for me. Um, mm. It all came together and, like, it all clicked in a game. But, like, I, I don't think he did. I mean, he's he's looking better. Like, there's a lot of people that are, like, showing some of the routes he's doing. He's running some crisp routes. He looks pretty good. Um, but, like, just generally, like, DK looked like DK. He just, you know, had a little bit more opportunities. So, um, I think it's more, again, about the explosives that they that Green Bay tends to give up that makes me think that he could repeat his performance. So for people that don't know, DK Metcalf set the single game playoff record for a rookie in terms of the most receiving yards um, for an NFL rookie receiver. He had like 160 yards. I think it was even on Sunday. Um, so obviously a huge game from him and hoping 
to see the same on Sunday. Jeff, um, yeah. what's, what, what's your take on Sunday? What, what has to happen? If the Seahawks win on Sunday, what has to happen? And I don't want you to answer Russell Wilson. So we're going to take that. We're going to take him out of the equation. Um, okay. That's a good question. Obviously that's the best answer. Um, I think the Seahawks need to hold up in pass protection because I think the Packers best strength is the pass rush. The Darius Smith and Preston Smith, those guys are pretty good. Kenny Clark who's banged up low right now. They have a, a defensive line similar to what they saw in Philly and San Francisco. And once they were able to kind of hold up and pass pro that their offense in that second half of the San Francisco game. And, a lot of the time last week, that's when they took off. And really, just you kind of need to see what we saw last week, sort of from Clowney and from Diggs and some of the playmakers on defense because the Packers aren't – it's weird to say, but the scariest parts of the Packers are now their pass protection on offense and their defensive line. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not their offense and their passing game like it used to be. If the defense – plays well they can take over this game and if you look at the Packers schedule digging into them a little deeper anytime they've played a quality opponent this year outside of the Vikings who they know very well there was the Chargers game the Niners game they got their asses kicked and we all watched that Lions game week 17 where the Packers had to win that's against like the Lions fifth string quarterback and that was a struggle so this is we've talked so much about some the Seahawks and how they're not as good as their record the Packers are a lot like that too. So that's where the Seahawks do have a strength. And it's simple. Nathan said it, but if you consider that combined that the Seahawks do have a better quarterback. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to think they can pull this off. Jeff does the lions lost to the Packers earlier in this season where the refs seemingly played a very strong role in that game's result bother you at all. I, I, I feel like I hear you mention it quite a few times um it would have had the seahawks won the nfc west that would have been the Mm. difference between a buy and the three seed in hindsight now that the saints lost this actually might have worked out in their favor because had the seahawks had that ever happened the seahawks would have had to play the saints this week and the packers would have been the three seed so i was upset about that game that game really irked me at the time but we're talking about a seahawks super bowl chances that actually might have ended up working out better because now the Saints got eliminated. So one observation I took away from both of your answers is neither of you talked about or mentioned the concern of playing in Lambeau. Now, Evan Hill, weather expert, has pulled up Google.com and searched the weather for Green Bay to inform all of our listeners of what Russell Wilson would be playing in on Sunday night. So currently projected... 10% chance of precipitation. That is a very good thing since Russell historically has seemed to struggle in snow in rain. Uh, we have wind at five miles an hour, which is basically nothing. And then we have a temperature average of 25 degrees. So right now, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that stays the same. Regardless of the weather, does Nathan, does playing in Lambo concern you? I, I know... This has been like a huge, huge talking point on Seahawks Twitter this past week about, oh, we go to Lambeau, we lose every single time. It's always snowing. Aaron Rodgers is suddenly somehow better in Lambeau. Do you share that same concern? You're muted, Nathan. (laughs) 
I'm not. Uh, no, I don't know if like Aaron Magic Aaron Rodgers gets magically better in Lambo, but yeah, it, like it it's not just the Seahawks who get worse in Lambo. Like I, I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> I haven't heard the stats since Michael Vick won there, but like uh when when the Falcons went in there and beat Favre with Michael Vick, like that was shocking and something that had not happened in a long time. They don't lose playoff games in Lambo very often to anyone. Um and then you can get into all the stuff with Russell not playing well in the wind and the rain and the snow in this case, maybe. I mean, we'll see what the weather's like, but all that stuff absolutely factors in. Um, so, yeah, going on the road to Lambeau in the playoffs, like, that's that's bad times. That's that's scary stuff. So, just to throw a stat out there, they are 18-5 and five all time at home in Lambeau. So in playoffs? That's, correct. That's what we're dealing with. Um, Jeff, do you share the same concern? Where, where's your mind at? My biggest concern is that Russell has played so poorly in Lambeau. And I don't know if that's a flukish thing. And I don't know. Some of the data could probably say that might just be a. Well, you're, you're missing a key point here, Jeff. Jermaine curse has been one of the Seahawks receivers and oh, a, a cause of multiple interceptions, multiple incompletions, a loss of any synergy and momentum, which does exist, Nathan. So wait, are, we doing this? are we doing, wait, hold up. First of all. <laughs> Nathan, you froze. You pulled oh, no. a real Jeff Simmons. That's oh, okay. no. <laughs> okay. First of all, what was he going to say? I have no idea. Oh, he looks so happy. Yeah, he's frozen. His hands are frozen. Oh, no. Just like Jermaine Curse's hands when he tries to catch a football. Ooh. That didn't make any sense, but I pulled the joke anyway. Uh, Nathan, if you can hear us, just join us back when you get a second. Um, yeah, Jeff, I'm yeah. just not that concerned about playing in Green Bay. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Uh, two things. The weather doesn't look that bad. If this was, you know, two feet of snow or whatever, and, you know, it was like a snowstorm. Sure. Yeah. Then I, then I get worried about the game plan and is Seattle just going to run the ball like crazy. It completely changes the game, obviously um, from a coaching perspective and an execution perspective. Um, but the second reason I'm not too worried is Aaron Rodgers hasn't been that great this year. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback, but you know, what's funny is I don't know if you saw this, he did win like a pro bowl alternate or something like that, which I thought was hilarious, but good. Yeah, purely purely name recognition, but um, he hasn't had a great year. If you look at like all the advanced metrics, all the advanced stats they've been putting out there, like QBR, everything, he's not ranking as like a top five, top seven quarterback. Um, he's been missing a lot of throws. I don't know if you actually you mentioned it uh, that Lions Packers game, you know, the last game of the season where the yeah. Lions almost pulled it off. Aaron Rodgers was missing a lot of throws. I wish I watched that entire game. And I watched it over on the all 22 on the coaches film. Rogers was really off. I don't, I don't know what happened, but many people were saying like, that's what the rest of this season was looking like. And all, all I got to say is I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the strength of that offense. Yeah. Obviously he's better than like a replacement level quarterback, but I don't think he's the Aaron to worry about. I, I you know, I, I think Aaron Jones has had a phenomenal year for them. Um, they have like the fourth ranked rushing offense per football outsiders 
pro football focus actually just while I'm on it has the Packers as a, as a top 10 rushing unit. So average that out. They're basically a top five running unit. Um, I'm just not that, I'm just not that worried about Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's going to come out balling like we saw in 2013, 2014, 2015, you know, is like heyday years. And am I, Am I off base here or, or what's your take? No, no, you're exactly right. And just like you listen to the media or some of the narratives this week and everyone's like, it's Rogers versus Wilson and it's Aaron Rodgers. But that is what you were saying before. That's not who the Packers are this year. And Brian mentioned, I said, I read Brian's game preview, the numbers today. And even no matter what stat you like, if it's passer rating, if you're more old school or if you're more new school and you like EPA, and QBR, Rodgers was under the top 12 in all three of those. He doesn't rank in the top 12 in any of those three categories. And if you look at the Packers closely, their best asset is, as you said, Aaron Jones, who's been probably their best offensive player this year. And I know Ben Baldwin tweets about this a lot, but the Packers are the number one ranked pass protection team in the league, and Rodgers is still doing bad. Not bad, just not the Rodgers we're used to. So those are their two strengths. It's Aaron Jones and it's the pass protection. They don't have, they used to have like three really good receivers and they don't have that anymore. Their receivers are really not that good. They're not that dangerous. Devontae Adams is a really good one. They're number one, but their other guys are pretty mm. like, like they're like David Moore's, uh, Jerron Browns. Like they're not. And he was out. Devontae Adams was out for like four or five weeks. I don't know if you remember that with like a foot or ankle injury or something. And I've never seen Packers fans complain so much about their receivers just because they've had, you know, a pretty good sloth of receivers over the past like decade, like Jordy Nelson, yeah. Randall Cobb, you know, Devontae Adams, all, all three at one time briefly. Um, but there, there, I think there's real fan and team concern about the, their receiver depth after, after Devontae Adams. So I think you hit the, hit that on the money and just to chip in real quick, I think, um, I, I, let me let me just read this paragraph actually from Brian's um, tale of the tape, Seahawks versus Packers game preview, laying some stats behind Aaron Rodgers' performance of 2019. I think it's super super interesting. He says Rodgers has been mediocre this season by almost any measure. Are you a passer rating person? Rodgers ranked 12th at 95.4, the second lowest of his career. If you prefer QBR, ESPN metric. Rodgers ranked 22nd behind Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and Jacoby Brissett. Maybe you're an EPA guy. He ranked 15th. Those aren't good numbers. <laughs> he is simply not the strength of this offense. Um, they rely a lot on Aaron Jones. Um, Nathan, welcome back to the show. Uh, <laughs> what Momentum you know, is we're talking not about, real. Come on now. Like, what was that? Momentum is not real. Momentum is 100% a real thing. Ridiculous. And, oh, here we go. Have you ever played a sport in your life? Yeah. You know momentum. Sports. It's a psychological, emotional thing. And honestly, it's not, it's not. Define I don't, number, Define it. I don't know if it can be defined. It's an emotional, like psychological phenomenon because we can't measure it. Or at least I don't think its effects can be measured in the NFL. But this is a 
this is a side conversation. I mean, no, hold on. If you're telling me that people feel better when they're playing well than when they're not, then sure, momentum is real. If you're telling me that momentum means something in terms of what how the rest of the game is going to play out, then... I think momentum is a, like, a psychological, like, confidence thing. I, I you know, I'm not a psych... But why do we right? only talk about it when it changes? Well... I, I don't think I don't I think one you only team... ever talk oh the, you only ever talk about momentum when somebody when a team is like up and they're driving to like put the death nail in and then they throw a pick and they oh wow they lost the moment they had all the momentum and they lost it if momentum was momentum then it wouldn't you wouldn't lose it that's not how momentum works I I, I think we have different definitions of momentum okay I think getting back to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the W on that one and move on. Um, getting back to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think uh, like he's gotten incredibly inconsistent and like the Ben Baldwin cutups, like he can look straight terrible, um, but he can, he's still got a ton of just like physical talent. Like he can still make crazy plays. Um you know, he had that insane touchdown to the tight end. Was that last year when they played him? And, like, Seattle, Seattle went on the win and everything. But, like, Aaron Rodgers, while he doesn't terrify me, like, I I, uh, I would much rather be playing uh, Josh McCown again than having to face Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you were going to say something, Jeff? I no, I, 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 I like the last point. Uh, yeah, the, th- the thing with Rodgers is he still has a couple of things where he can do where he's really good off script and he's good at drawing people offside and you see how much clown he jumps offside. And he can still do that deep ball. He still can do those deep shots. But just pass to pass, as Nathan was saying, he's not consistent. And he's not the kind of guy who just tort- – like I don't know if there's one game where he's like lit up a team this year where he's done so so many times in the past. But yeah, he's still he's still a scary guy, and especially with the way the Seahawks can rush the passer, which is could be a zero against the best pass protecting unit. That's always a little bit scary. But yeah, if you're looking at the Packers and you think Aaron Rodgers is the whole offense like it used to be, this is this is new. This is Matt Lafleur's team. They've tried to make it easier on him as he's gotten older, and this is Matt Lafleur's first playoff game. He's never coached a playoff game before, and so. We don't know what that, what's going to happen there. Like, if you remember McVay's playoff, first playoff game, he came from that staff. He was on that team. They shit the bed their first playoff game. I don't know if that matters at all. It's also Kyle Shanahan's first playoff game this week. So I don't know how much that factors in, but this is not the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers team. This is very different. Are either of you worried about Jimmy Graham's contributions on Sunday? Do you feel like there's a potential revenge game coming against the Seahawks. Am I hallucinating? Nathan, I know you're a big Jimmy Graham fan. What do you what do you think his production will look like on Sunday? You're muted. Do it again. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I, Jimmy Graham is, I think, well past toast at this point. Like, uh, I, that is, is that even, how is that even like blinking guy meme worthy like what has he even like caught for the last couple years couple hundred yards Uh, yeah i mean the past four years he's been pretty mediocre no he was good with seattle uh although (laughs) uh 
I believe he's still the uh, leading uh, touchdown catcher from tight ends for the Seahawks, right? So, uh, anyways, um, maybe if uh, Will Disley realized that the best ava- uh, best ability was availability, he'd break that someday. But uh, oh, wow. no, so no, but like he's pretty cooked, and I think he's hurt too, right? He's dinged up. He was on the injury report at least. So, um, no, I, I don't. I mean, this defense has let a lot of people make big plays on them and stuff, but I, I don't think Jimmy Graham's anything to worry about. Yeah, and what revenge, really? Like, the Seahawks trade for him. They let him get more money in free agency. What revenge would there be? He, sh- he should love the Seahawks. <laughs> this is true. I, st- I still can't believe the Packers are paying him what they're paying him. I don't remember if you guys it was saw a lot. It's like $10 million a year. It was the same amount of money the Seahawks – and the Saints were paying him. Um, I'm actually just pulling it up right now because I'm so freaking curious. So, okay. So he has one one more year left on his deal. It was a three-year, $30 million contract. Basically what the Seahawks paid him. Uh, had a $12.6 million cap hit this year, $11.6 million next year. I, I could see him retiring after after 2020, to be honest. I, I think he's a outside hobby type of guy, loves to fly all that fun stuff. So interesting yeah i'm not that worried about jimmy graham either shifting gears a little bit one area we haven't talked about is the packers defense well we touched on it a little bit but their pass rush particularly off of a major major free agency hall and two to three key players it's pretty aggressive it's pretty scary they're a top top five pass rushing unit Um, football outsiders has them I have it right here. Football Outsiders has them as a top 10 unit. Um, and I, I think Pro Football Focus actually has them even higher. Pro Football Focus has them at number five. Um, they've got Z- Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, I think is the other one. Um, Jeff, how concerned are you about Seattle's offensive line matching up against um, their defensive line. I, I, I truly believe this is the matchup like determinator of of Sunday's game. Like whoever wins this matchup in my mind will win this game. Obviously the Seahawks, you know, are coming off a really good performance against the Eagles, which actually have a pretty strong defensive line. They are playing with a ton of backups. Dwayne Brown, I don't know if you guys saw, could potentially be back. It sounds like Pete Carroll had said that. He's going to be doing some small, slight work in practice over the next two days. Um, he had his surgery, I think, two weeks ago and two days ago. So we're like 16, 17 days, and the timeline for his uh, recovery is two to three weeks. So we're right smack dab in the middle of that window. Jeff, are you worried about this matchup? Are you worried about this defensive line? Yeah, there's a lot of concerns I have right now. If, if I was going to say there was one area that scared me the most about this game, it's definitely this. You saw what Fletcher Cox did last week, and that was just one guy. And now you put Zedarius Smith, who's I think the number one ranked in terms of like productive pass rush this year. I think PFF has a number one. Preston Smith, good. Kenny Clark is really good. So that's three guys against an offensive line that had like four or five guys missing practice today. It's a, it's, they're going to have to step up. They played San Francisco. They played Fletcher last week. They Cox almost blew up a bunch of their plays on his own. So having three guys like that, it's a scary matchup for me. 
The other thing that does worry me is like the Brown Yapati thing. I remember last year in the playoffs when they had those guards missing, the thing was Sweezy and Fluker and they hadn't played in like three, four weeks and they just inserted them into the lineup and assumed everything would be the same. And they, they played pretty terribly. There was a big adjustment period. And if you look at Fant and Jamarco Jones at guard have been pretty good. I thought they were pretty good in the game, especially in pass pro. So if you just insert a couple new guys in who haven't played in a while, that would really worry me. I, although I'd love to get Dwayne Brown back. So if you combine all those factors, I think there are a lot of question marks and it is probably the area that can prevent Russell from taking over the game. So they need to hold up and pass pro. And I hope they don't try to overthink it and try to start going heavy on run. And Pete's had some concerning comments in that area this week. So this is the matchup. I agree with Evan. This is the matchup that's going to determine the game for me. And counter question to that. It sounds like Mike, I don't know how to say his last name. Is it Lupati or Upati? Upati. Lupati? Just Upati. Upati. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mike, I'm a complete chop. Okay. Mike Upati. It sounds like he's getting a second opinion on an injury he has. Jeff, is his potential absence concerning to you? Does that change your prediction at all? How concerned are you about that? Uh, it depends how they want to play. If they want to try to be a run-heavy offense, Upati was pretty good in that area. But if they want to be more of the passing team, I think Jamarco Jones has been can hold up a guard there. I, I don't think Upati is a great pass protector. And I, I'm fine with Jamarco Jones at left guard if that's your only – if you're going to try to pound the rock and run Marshawn Lynch 15 times, it's not going to work. It's just – they am... should give Marshawn four carries max, all goal line. Thank you. Thank you. You saw Pete's comment about – like giving Marshawn a ton more opportunities this week, that scares me. Uh, I'd rather have Travis Homer get those carries 100 times out of 100 times. I think forcing Marshawn could end up losing the, them the game, if that if that's what they do. Um, wow. Uh, Je- or Nathan, are you are you as concerned as we are about this, this pass-protecting offensive line versus what is a really – really strong defensive line and just a quick follow-up to that before you answer i searched up on pro football focus Zadarius smith is a top five pass rusher right next to jj watt chandler jones joey bosa miles garrett and tj watt the pro football focus grade is a point difference so basically he's having an all pro year absolute stud and then preston smith is top 32 so uh, a formidable defensive line. Are you concerned at all? I mean, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about Zadarius Smith. Like he's good. Like no doubt about that. But like just in terms of the injuries, I, I don't know how concerned I am about those because <clears throat> I thought Fant played pretty well. Um, I don't think that Dwayne Brown had a particularly great year. So I, I don't know that you're taking a huge step back there right now. Um, you know, I think Jamarco Jones, I, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people seem to be, but I think if you're just talking pass protection, I don't know you're getting much worse. Uh, you might be improving even over Upati. Um, and then, you know, Hunt's hurt, but, like, we just talked about what Fletcher Cox did to Joey Hunt. So uh, he's he's a smart player. He's a nice player, but, like, he's a huge liability at times. So will they get worse there if he misses time probably because they just brought up a guy like literally never heard of um but you know hunts you know 
I, I don't think he's probably even an average center. So, you know, you're already trying to work around some stuff there. So we know that we obviously, they obviously love DJ Fluker at right guard, right guard, total mauler in the, in the run game. But I guess my question is, should Mike Upati be starting regardless or no, should, I'm sorry, should Jermarco Jones be starting regardless of Mike Upati's, you know, health status? What, what's your take on that, Jeff? I would say, yeah, I would say, uh, but the Seahawks, we, this is an issue that we're never going to solve because we all think pass protection is very valuable. And the Seahawks, from John Schneider to Pete Carroll to, I don't know what the offensive line philosophy is, but they value run blocking. It's how they built their lines. It's why they targeted you potty. They value run blocking more than pass blocking. And so I would like to see a pass protecting line with your best player being your quarterback, but I, I don't think the answer is yes. I would like to see Jamarco Jones play right guard. If you potty can go. Yeah, I agree. Well, this would be for left guard, right? Because Fluker is playing right guard. Oh, you're right. saying regardless. Yeah. Should he play left guard? Yeah. I don't think it matters. Okay. Interesting. Nathan, what's your take? You're muted. <laughs> I'll get the sooner. Three out of three. <laughs> Wait, so what's the question? Whether whether Jones should be starting should... over Upati? Yeah, regardless of Upati's like health status. Like I said, I'm not as big on Jones as I think a lot of people or some people at least are. Um, I think Upati has played okay. Um, so I'm in no hurry to make that switch. But um, especially, I mean, if Seattle decided that they wanted to pass a bunch of times, then I think Jones is probably pretty easily the better option there. But they don't. And so I think Upati's fine. Moving to the defensive side of the ball. Um, it sounds like Quandre Diggs got out healthy. Jadavian Clowney got out healthy. Um, the big basically takeaway in Pete Carroll's press conference was that the Seahawks are mostly healthy entering this game. Um, the defense has seemed to be a little bit better in the second half of the season. Um, we spoke earlier about you know, Green Bay's rushing offense and how their top five unit in Aaron Jones has been a total stud for them this year. How important is shutting down their running game? I'll start with you, Nathan, since you are a huge believer in the running game. How important do you think stopping the run is in this game? They should. They shouldn't let Aaron Jones run for a touchdown every play. I think that's important. Um they, they also should not let him just like gash them for like 20 yards and uh, they should look into tackling. Uh, I appreciate that analysis. That's yeah. uh, very yeah. in depth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, as is well known, uh, rushing is uh, not, a, not particularly effective. And so, uh, no, I like, I, I don't think that there should be any idea. Like they're going to, because it's Pete Carroll, but like, no, I don't think that they need to go into this thinking, oh, we got to like shut down the run game. We got to commit. We got to overcommit. We got to do whatever it takes to shut down Aaron Jones. Like, nah, no, it's not that a big deal. Jeff, do you have a different take? Um, Yeah, I don't want to see them overcommit, set up areas where they can hit the middle of the field on you. But 
I think him in the passing game is something you got to watch. I think he's one of their best options in the passing game. And I think Jones can get to the second level. If you can get him on our linebackers, that can be an advantage for them. So I think they really need to have a good strategy in terms of how you cover him in the open field because they use him a lot in that regard. And he hit the Seahawks on some big plays down the field last year when they played in Seattle. I think in the first half he had two touchdowns or could have had three, something like that. So he's a guy I would more worry about in the passing game than in the run game because if they want to try to run, run, run and try to beat Seattle, fine, do that. That's the least efficient way to play. So I just worry about how, who's going to cover him in space because you saw some plays last week where they couldn't, they had trouble tackling Miles Sanders in space and he had that like little shimmy move. And, but I, overall, yeah, they, they got to have some sort of plan. That's not just stack the box and take away the run game. So Aaron Rodgers can pass. That's not the way to win. Are you guys at all concerned about Ezekiel Ansah's injury? It sounds like he has a stinger and is iffy for the game based off what I last saw. Do you think that's a big loss, Nathan, or do you think the Seahawks can easily look past that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a big loss because, like, who else? <laughs> it's just <laughs> I... who else has a has a a blood flow in their body basically yeah like uh, i can at least pin some like dreams on ziggy like maybe he's gonna <laughs> repeat his philly you know from earlier in the year his game then but like i ultimately no i don't i don't know that they're gonna he's just he's just not very good he's kind of bad and like on that play he got hurt he got outran by Josh McCown, like Josh <laughs> McCown turned the corner on him. Like uh, we sorry talked about that a lot in the post game show. Did you? Okay, me, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, right. let me tell you something. No, no, no. It was. Let me. We were all laughing you, a lot. Let me tell you something right now. Okay, you know what I had for lunch today? Three in and outs, three in and out double doubles in a medium fries. Where is this going? Me after lunch today would not get outrun by forty-two year old Josh McCown. Have I you seen the video you, of him though? All right, so like. Uh, I guess in fairness to Ziggy and like to remind us just how ridiculous all NFL athletes, yes, even Josh McCown. Have you seen that video of him playing basketball? I did. I think I saw him like dunking, right? He yeah, like he does did. like a reverse double clutch dunk and he's like, yeah, he, uh, he's good. He's athletic, I'll say. <laughs> he's not outrunning me. Just kidding. No, but that was embarrassing by, by Ansa for sure. Um, Staying on the defensive side of the ball, I'm really, really, really encouraged by Ugo Amadi's play last Sunday. Super excited about that. And Pete Carroll seemed a little excited about it too. I don't know if you guys saw his comments today. Did you guys see what he said about Ugo Amadi today? Got to get him out there. And do you know what else he said? I wish I had played him sooner. I'm paraphrasing. But he had wished he had incorporated him into the defense sooner. And and do you know what he like like what options he had to say about Ugo Amadi? Like kind of like none, right? Like Kendricks is hurt, like they have no other nickel corner, like who knows? I, I I'm he played all right. I like I don't think he was bad or anything, but I, he didn't stick out to me or anything. I didn't like see him jumping off the tape, but which is maybe good for a cornerback, but uh yeah, I don't know. If I am correct, 
I believe he had Seattle's best overall grade out of any player, offense or defense, um, in last week's game. And I'm just double checking that that right now. Um, uh, yeah, double right. check that, and then if if that's true, I'm gonna yell about PFF for a minute. <laughs> Uh, it is, why is this so difficult to find? Oh, this is, pe- keep talking for a second. Well, I was going to say, Evan, to your point, it was the same stuff Pete said about Puna last year when he was giving snaps to Shamar Stefan instead. And then at the end of the year, he's like, oh, I should have played Puna more. Like, why did I come up with that? And so, you guys on Twitter last year could see this. Anyone in the world who watched the Seahawks game would see this. This year, oh, let's, let's trot out Jamar Taylor a couple more. Why don't we do that? So, Ugo Amadi had a 90.1 grade pro, per pro football focus. 90? 90.1! The best. Snaps? 14. Two. Don't undersell him on those extra two. Okay. He played 14 what was snaps. DK's grade? What was, hold up. What's DK's grade? DK's grade. Uh, let me pull this up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Uh, offensive grades. DK Metcalf hit an eighty-nine point eight. So Ugo Amadi scored higher. That's ridiculous. By point three. Just By dumb 0.3. as hell. Just dumb as hell. You know what that means? Ugo Amadi clearly had a better game and was more impactful on the game. It's just that clear. <laughs> I mean, it's just that clear. Nathan, I'm coming around. PFF a little bit. I don't mind PFF so much anymore, but this is the kind of stuff that gives that makes that makes it hard sometimes to to defend them. You know what? Just while I'm looking at the offensive grades, Jacob Hollister had a 39.7 grade, the lowest offensive grade of all offensive players on the Seahawks. I felt like he played well. Am I wrong? Did you guys see anything on Hollister? Uh, he had the OPI, which I. Don't know. How oh, maybe they blocking. probably. Yeah, his pass blocking was a thirty point three. Jermaine like, Ifedi type of. He's like two hundred <laughs> This is true. Um, well, Travis Homer's a pretty good pass blocker. Yeah. He, yeah, he had a thirty eight point oh grade, a full five points better. Uh, but no, I agree with you. Um, but guys, I'm really excited about Ugo Amadi's the Ugo Amadi stuff. I feel like this could be a big, big deal, you know, entering Green Bay. Do you guys are you guys excited about this as I am? I feel like Pete's recognition about this, about his contributions, you know, really, what did he call him? Uh, something about molding into form or something like that. Are you guys excited about this like I am? I think we need to start a list of all the players that we've done this with now. Like we did it with Jermarco Jones. Uh, we did it with Marquise Blair, uh, John or Sua a little bit, I think. Um, who else have we done this with where they get in for like 10 snaps? They, they like, they have one play that kind of stands out. Pete says something nice about them. And then like, we like lose our mind. And I mean, this is like Brian talking about Malik Turner, like every single goddamn Malik Turner has been there every week though, when he hasn't been hurt. Yeah. Playing like a whole, like seven snaps every week or whatever. Am I, I wrong? I, I think you are wrong. I think he's playing a lot more than seven snaps a week. Isn't Jerome Brown getting the snaps at, at number three? Well, he is now because Turner's hurt. Hope not. Do you guys, speaking of Turner, still in concussion protocol, Do you get, are you guys worried that he might be like a dark horse, like underrated um, loss 
you know, against the Packers is, is just crapped on. <laughs> I know. No, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not suggesting he is. I'm just asking you. It's a question. Well, I mean, they just balled out. Well, I don't know. They scored 17 points. I don't know how much they balled out, but like Russ looked like Russ again and without him and all that. So I don't know, but yeah, I think he's important. Like I, I, I mean, Jerome Brown is fine. Like he doesn't kill you, but like, I think, I think Turner can give you uh, a little bit more, something a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more exciting than, than Brown. And I, I don't think he's any, uh, I don't think you're losing much there. Like, I don't think there's something that Brown's like, oh, he's the polished veteran or something like that. I don't think there's any big advantage there. So yeah, I do think it hurts a little bit, but I mean, you still got DK and blocking and all that. Um, Nathan or Jeff, any take on that? Yeah, more or less. It helps to have an additional body because if one of their guys gets hurt, they only have they only had four active receivers and four healthy receivers last week. So, yeah, I like what Nathan said. Just John Brown is like a fine. You know, you're gonna get. There's probably zero. He's probably the least exciting player you can have a wide receiver. And Turner can do something every so often. He's had a couple big plays on third down this year. He had the big play in the Philly game. So I don't. I think it's such a small thing to worry about for them. But yeah. You'd rather have him there than not and only have four receivers. One thing we haven't mentioned is that the Seahawks are potentially, possibly, playing for an NFC Championship game in Seattle the week after. Have you guys thought about that? Have you thought about the possibility, the small possibility that this could happen? Could the Seahawks beat the Packers and could the Vikings beat the 49ers nathan is there any hope what do you want more do you want to host the vikings at home or do you want an opportunity to go into santa clara and beat the niners to go to the super bowl rephrase your question do what do i want more in terms of just just, what do i want more what do you what do what do what do you want more yeah Well, I'm afraid if we went to San Francisco and beat the 49ers that I might be dead after the game because I'd be talking so much shit and 49er fans might come to my house and try and kill me. Um, they would never but, do that. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We've never received threats like that at all. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to beat the 49ers in Santa Clara. I would absolutely love it. it the meltdown that it would cause among the Niner faithful, that the Niner faithful would be, they disappear for years. They're, it would be amazing. I hate them so much. I hate George Kittle so much. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo so much. I like Kyle Shanahan, but I fucking hate the 49ers and I hate the 49er faithful, whatever the frick they call themselves. Bing, bing, Niner gang. Wing, wing, wing. I'm so tired of that. So actually, I was originally going to say I'd rather host the Vikings at home, but you know what? Fuck the 49ers. I want them in Santa Clara. I want retribution. I want pain. I want tears. And I want misery among their fan base. So that is my answer to your question. Does that answer it? (laughs) Jeff? (laughs) What would you rather? I I can't top that. (laughs) Um, I still think I'd rather host the game and play the Vikings, force 
for I see with the Evan point. I would love to win that game. I've been talking about that in our thread when I thought <laughs> um, that the Saints would win. But how great would it be if the Niners lost their first playoff game and had to watch the Seahawks host the NFC Championship? I think that would be just as enjoyable. If they go 0-1 in the playoffs and the Seahawks are hosting the NFC Championship, that would crush them. And I don't – I don't. the thing, though, is like – like, so if the Seahawks lose this week, are you going to watch the Niners next week? Am I going to watch them? Yeah. Yeah, I'll watch the game. Okay, see, I, I'm the other way. Like, if the Seahawks are – if they lose, I nope. I'll watch the AFC Championship game probably if the Ravens are Chiefs. I respect game. that so much. I'll peace out pretty hard. I, I wish I could do that. I'm surprised you wouldn't watch the NFC Championship game, Nathan. Like, really? Niners, NFL playoffs are so- – it's so entertaining, though, like regardless of the uh, – I know I'll watch it, but if it's Niners-Packers, that's a hard game. Like I think those are my two least favorite teams. I don't know who to root for. It's a lose-lose. Yeah. I, I, get, I get you, Nathan. That's Niners-Packers would be rough. That's a punch to the gut. <laughs> so who would you root for in that situation? Oh. Oh. I think it's it's got to be Ravens, Packers, right? Ravens. Well, no, let's let's put it this way. If the Packers beat the 49ers, you know they're getting their absolute asses kicked by the Ravens or the Chiefs. I, I really don't think they hold a candle to either of those teams. Do you guys disagree? Uh, no, I think – I mean, yeah, I think the Niners have a better chance, but I think even the Niners don't win. Uh, I'll root Packers just to see Ben's mentions burn. Uh, but other than that, I will not care at all. <laughs> Yeah, you, if you're a Seahawks fan, you can't root for the 49ers, no matter what the scenario is. Um, turning briefly to the AFC side, it looks like it's Texans-Chiefs early morning slot on Sunday or 12 p.m. slot, and Titans-Ravens. Do you think there's any chance the Texans upset the Chiefs? Am I completely hallucinating, or do you think Deshaun Watson could pull something off, Nathan? Wait, who are the Texans playing? They're playing the Chiefs in Kansas City. Mm, I don't know, man. Deshaun Watson takes like some bad sacks. Like, and <clears throat> I'm used to watching some bad sacks. Like, I'll defend Russ a lot, but like that, he takes some bad sacks once in a while. But man, I I was rooting for the Texans and like just, well, I don't know. I was in rough shape on Saturday, but I was extremely angry on some of those. Like, he's just like, there's no plan sometimes. Like, what did you want out of that scenario? And he just takes these awful sacks. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, any team can be any team, but uh, no, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet on the, the Texans. Uh, the other game that they are playing, other, the other AFC game on, on Saturday is Titans-Ravens. I think Ravens are absolutely going to stop them. Um, we won't spend too much time on that game. But are there any b- – before we do score predictions for Seahawks-Packers, um, which hopefully will be a classic game in, in favor of a Seahawks win, are there any other angles of the game, key contributors that you feel like – need to have a big day for the Seahawks to win. Obviously, Russell Wilson is huge. We've talked about the offensive line. But are there any – like, pick one individual player, Nathan and Jeff. Jeff, we'll start with you. That needs to have a big game 
on Sunday for the Seahawks to win. You can't name Russell Wilson. You can't name Dwayne Brown. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Shaq Griffin. Hmm. Shaquille Tell Griffin. me more. I think uh, Devontae Adams. He's gonna be matched up with him a lot, and I think that's one of the best players Green Bay has on offense. I think he's the kind of guy who could swing the game to Seattle. And I think that that's a matchup you'll just see a lot. And they're probably going to try to move him around to try to line him up against Trey Flowers because Trey really struggled last week. But if you have maybe Shaq against one of their lesser receivers, he, he's, he's the kind of guy who could take over that game. So I think he is the kind of guy who could really swing the field. Uh, the other guy I thought of was Jaron Reed, who mm. kind of showed some signs of explosiveness last week, but kept missing sacks and getting ducked under or whatever. But I'll go Shaq Griffin for now. I think he's a guy who can really swing it. Nathan, how about you? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll keep beating the uh, Quandre Diggs drum. Um, you know, he was back, and and that that defense looked better. I think. Uh, I mean, still just held him the nine points and all that. Um, so yeah, I think Diggs being back, Diggs having another week to you know recover from that high ankle sprain um and him being kind of i still think he's the most important player on this team um defensively um i, I think that he's made huge swings in and how this defense plays so um i think if he has if he's comes and has a big game i think i think uh i think they win and a great thing on Diggs, uh he played on the lions for how long so he used to play the packers twice a year he's already played the packers this year in that Monday night game we've complained about. So he knows this team better than anyone of the Seahawks. So I think that's a great answer. I'm going to go with Clowney. I know the Packers have good pass pro, but if we like Clowney had an amazing week last week, he had obviously probably the game of his life against the 49ers and Rogers, as we've talked about has always or already had a pretty rough season. Um, has felt he throws the ball this year like he's constantly under pressure, like he's playing behind the Seahawks offensive line when he's not. He's always a few feet off, a few yards off. It's not – he just doesn't look accurate. And if, the, and if Clowney can really disrupt, cause pressure, and really set that in motion for the rest of the defensive line, oof, it, it could end up being an ugly game. Seahawks could not only win, I think it could be an ugly game – if Clowney has a big game. So with that said, um, let's do some score predictions. Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Seahawks Packers, who wins? um, And what score are you predicting? Um, Yeah, we've talked about all the the issues on both sides, the major advantages, but I've been saying all year that Green Bay is kind of a fraud. And we've, we've all said that about Seattle this year too. So I'm going to go with the team that has the better quarterback and it's basic and it's simple and that's Russell Wilson. So I'm going to take the Seahawks pulling off the upset again. And I say they win 26, 23 in overtime. Overtime. Holy cow. Okay. Nathan, how about you? Uh, I don't think this is a great team. Um, and I think it's going to take a great team to go into Green Bay and, and beat Green Bay there uh, in Lambeau. 
Um, and so uh, I'll just I'll I'll take that same score and I'll just flip it. Twenty six, twenty three, Green Bay. Wow. Um, good lord. You know what? This will be the Seahawks' first ten plus point win of the entire season. You guys ready for that? Man, add that. That's another list. So here's our drinking game. Like uh, <laughs> we celebrate obscure uh, young player who came in as an injury replacement and looked good for two quarters. Uh, we predict the Seahawks' first double-digit uh, win of the year. There's uh, a whole list. Couldn't even do it to Josh McCown. <laughs> That's true. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. The Seahawks are going to win the game, thirty to twenty. It's going to happen. It really did, uh, is. I truly believe that. I've talked myself into it. Did we get a, a, a score prediction from Brian? I don't... We did not. I didn't I didn't hear from him. He actually so. actually you know what he's um let's see here. He's uh texting me now and he says um uh he says that he would normally pick the, the Seahawks to win, but his lack of faith in Pete Carroll has him going forty five ten Packers. So Wow. Yeah Brian, I know you have little faith. Yeah. Ugh. Although plus side, he's finally seen the light on Pete Carroll, so we can argue less about that now. Thank God. Well, thank you guys for joining tonight's show. With that said, we will conclude. Great ways to support us. Just quick couple housekeeping housekeeping items. Patreon.com slash hawkblogger. You can subscribe and donate to us monthly. Help, you know, it, it could be as little as like two, three, four, five dollars a month. Anything is super helpful. You can subscribe on YouTube. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Plus, not Google Plus. We don't have Google Plus, but you can support us in a million different ways. Um, you can share the show with a friend. All are super, super helpful to spreading the show and hopefully us continuing to create great content because there are operating costs behind the show with operate, you know, with software, um, equipment, those types of things. So and we really appreciate content. Josh has a video tomorrow. Is that, that what you were going with? That's one thing. That no, that's not what I was going with. Uh, <laughs> Derek, Derek's been contributing. Uh, he's been writing stuff. Has a post mm. up today about running in the playoffs and how much it matters. Does it matter more? Does it matter less? I bet you can't guess. Do you have? <laughs> let me let me actually I'll pull up a quick link to that, and I'm gonna drop it in the YouTube chat for everybody, so you can Here, read just, uh, read it out. Just it's HTTP colon backslash backslash <laughs> i just dropped it in the youtube chat for everybody who wants to read that read that post from That's my his, new his second post second post both have been very good more to come i'm sure awesome Derek, i don't know what your last name is but thank you for joining we're super excited about your contributions so with that with that said guys the Seahawks are in for a big exciting game on sunday night we are going to have to endure the other three games first before we get to it, but uh, my emotions will be high. That will be sure. And don't forget, we will do a post-game show 30 to 45 minutes after the game. So with that said, go Hawks.